Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Becoming a mother did something to me. I would say I'm pretty grown. What the f*** is wrong with you? I've just done so much self-reflecting. Take your f***ing words out of your mouth and shove them up your f***ing ass. This season on Vanderpump Rules. I definitely am the happiest I've ever been. I, like, want to go home to my baby. I don't even want to be here anymore. Brock has two kids. He hasn't spoken to them in four years. Schwartz and I are opening up our own bar. It's a complete show. I can't understand you. Oh, it's because Sandoval's dick is in your mouth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was a short clip from the trailer of the next season of Vanderpump Rules. We're going to break that all down. Also on the show today, I have Matt Dillon, actor extraordinaire who's been in movies like There's Something About Mary, The Outsiders. He directed a new film called El Gran Fe Ove, and uh, I'm so excited to talk to him about his life, his career, all that good stuff. And then after Matt... I have an interview with Christy Martin, who I told you guys about on the show a couple weeks ago. She has a documentary on Netflix that is all about her life called Untold, The Deal with the Devil, and it is the wildest story you'll ever hear. You gotta watch it. I know I told you guys to watch, but if you haven't, watch Untold. Untold is like the series on Netflix, but each episode's about someone else's life and uh, another experience. And so this is the episode called Deal with the Devil. And Christy Martin was a world-class boxer, and then her husband tried to kill her. He was training her. I mean, it's wild stuff. So I hope you guys check that out. I mean, I was so compelled, and I'm so excited to have a, a quick chat with Christy. That'll be on the show. If you want either of those interviews, you can skip ahead. I'll put the timestamp in the episode description. I try to get as close as possible, so you can listen to those. But for now, we have got to talk about Vanderpump Rules. Now, the new season, we lost 100 cast members. They literally fired everyone. They fired half the cast. And yet it still seems like a large enough cast. And I got to say, normally on these reality shows, I always say, I like a big cast. On The Housewives, we always say, we want another woman, uh, another woman in the cast. And on The Real House of New York, they only had five cast members. Last season on uh, Orange County, they've had only five cast members in the past. And so I just think usually I like more. More is better. But when it comes to Vanderpump Rules, there were too many fucking people last season. And there were a bunch of new people that didn't care about, that we weren't getting to know, or we weren't getting to see the people that we love. Instead, we were following Dana on our comedy tour, which then, Dana's not even around anymore. Do you guys remember Dana? I'm not sure if you do. But Dana was one of the new cast members last season, and we saw so much footage of that woman. And God bless her, she seemed like a lovely gal. This is no shade to her. But it was like they brought her on made us sit through a lot of her storylines in the comedy clubs and all that kind of stuff. And then now she's nowhere to be seen. We saw a whole love triangle with her and that other man who was also fired. It's like, I feel kind of burned. They burned a couple bridges last season because I was forced to watch all those storylines and now they're all gone. Which, yes, I'm glad they're gone. Except for Charlie, by the way. Charlie's back. Charlie's back and better than ever. And I'm so excited that Charlie is the last woman standing from all those new people last season, because Charlie, she was truly my favorite. In the reunion last season, they did it over Zoom. It was really miserable, but they did it over Zoom. I'm so glad we don't have to do those Zoom reunions anymore. Ugh, wasn't that the worst? There was like one good one, and I know we had to do it because of COVID. I get it. And I'm grateful that they gave us the content. No shade. 
but they were awful. Anyway, Charlie really gave it to Jax and Brittany last uh, reunion, and I was hopeful that Charlie would come back, and now she is, and I'm so happy. Charlie, we love you. Charlie's here for the girls. Charlie's for the girls. Charlie's for the girl. I'm glad she's back. But all the others, we lost Brett. We lost that other one. We lost Dana. We lost that other one. I can't even remember all their names. Uh, so unfortunately, they're no longer around. I do think there's going to be new people this season. Although the trailer focused on all the people we know, like Ariana, Tom, Katie, Schwartz, Sheena, Shishi. Uh, I'm so happy to see Shishi back. I'm worried about our girl, though. Sheena, she's got all that stuff she's dealing with with Brock. We'll get to. Anyway, so I think we're going to actually get more new people than what we saw in the trailer. But my opinion is, and I could be totally off base here, but I think they have a lot of new people coming, but they realized their mistake last season was putting all those new people up front and center. So I feel like they're going to weave in the new people a little bit more sparse, sparsely, sparsely. Not sure what the word is. Uh, unclear. Anyway, I think they're going to drizzle them in a little bit less than they did last season. And so by the end of this upcoming season, I do think we'll have a lot of new people around. But they wanted to focus the trailer on the people that we know, which again, plenty of people there. I mean, there's so many people. I was like, man, I can't believe we lost so many. And yet here we are. We got Lala coming back. She's given us Lala. And she's wearing that hat. Did you guys see her? She was talking to Katie in one of the scenes from the trailer. She's wearing a hat that says, that was so trashy, which I believe was a moment from last season's trailer. And I don't love when they wear the merch with their stuff on it. Yeah, I don't love it when they're wearing a hat or they are holding a pillow or something with a saying that they said on a previous season. I feel like the producers need to not let them do that. Okay. I, I always say I want to break the fourth wall and, and explore some of that stuff, but I'm not interested when it comes to them selling their merch. Okay. That's where I draw the line. And so I just would hope that going forward, if any of the cast members on any of our Bravo shows start wearing a t-shirt or something that says a saying on it that they said in a previous season, we need to nix it or at least blur it out as if it's a dick. You know, in this trailer, I saw there was a moment Tom Sandoval's wearing some sort of prosthetic dick, a dildo or something, excuse my language. And he's uh, throwing it in uh, Ariana's face and they're able to blur that. And I'm thinking, why can't they blur Lala's hat with her tagline or whatever fuck that saying she put on it? You know, blur it like the dick. I like dick. Anyway, she was wearing it. I wonder if she's selling it. I don't know. Okay, so the trailer opens with this like baby crib music because we got all these babies. All the babies in the universe of Vanderpump Rules. Half of the babies aren't even going to be on this show because Sheena, uh, Sheena had a baby. She's on the show. Lala had a baby. She's on the show. Uh, Stassi had the baby. She's not on the show. Uh, the other one, who else? Brittany had the baby. Brittany's not on the show. So we're only going to meet some of the Vanderpump babies. And uh, part of me is excited. Part of me is scared. I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous. Because I worry we we entered this world of Vanderpump Rules and they're messy servers. And so the idea of now we're going to have all these bebes around. I keep saying bebes like Mora from Schitt's Creek. But these bebes, I don't know that I'm interested in the stories of these bebes. I don't always love when housewives have bebes. I'm happy for them, don't get me wrong. But in my messy reality show, I'm not sure I need the bebes. Although the moms of the babies, they do look really like they're giving it to us. Sheena, I feel like, came to play. Lala came to play. Uh, so I, I, you know, TBD, we'll have to see at the end of the season how we feel about them babies. Uh, anyway, we open with Lala saying, I'm really grown now. I'm really grown. And then it immediately cuts to her yelling at someone, what the fuck is wrong with you? She's giving them Lala. 
you know, she's giving him, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then we cut to James saying, I've done so much self-reflecting. And then we see him yelling, take your fucking words and shove them up your ass. My James, my, my James impression sounds like uh, Dorit from Realist's Beverly Hills. I got Beverly Hills Housewives on the mind. Then we cut to Ariana saying, I've had a really positive day. And then we see her fall. And you guys, when she fell, first of all, she's holding the drink up. She does this amazing pratfall. If you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it. By the way, you need to go watch the trailer anyway, because here I am recapping it. And you're probably thinking, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Go watch the trailer. I only played a little clip of audio at the beginning, but maybe go watch it. Anyway, Ariana does this amazing pratfall, and she's holding the drink up as she falls. Like, she doesn't care about her body. You know, most people, they drop the drink and try to maybe put their hand underneath them as they fall to break their fall. But not Ariana. She's worried about that drink. And God bless that. I really support her on that because, you know, she needed to make sure that the drink didn't spill. Like, Ariana spilled, but she didn't make the drink spill. And that's, I'm happy about that. I'm happy about that. Then we get this montage. You know, they love to throw a montage at us of all the quirky, crazy stuff they're doing on the show. I was glad to not see any axe throwing. I was glad to not see any goat yoga. I felt good that we're not in one of those rooms where we're breaking shit. So I feel really positive about this little montage. Although TBD, because oftentimes when we see one thing on one show, then they come on all the shows. So one of these things that we saw in the montage, we might be tired of by the time we see it. Do you get what I'm saying? So we saw, uh, let's see, we saw Tom Sandoval playing tennis. We also saw in this trailer uh, some sort of hoedown situation. And that's the one that was really a red flag to me, the hoedown, although it looked really fun. Loved seeing them in all their country western gear. Uh, and I imagine they were dancing to Martina McBride. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I imagine they were dancing to. But I worry about this hoedown situation because I'm thinking, are they going to be doing hoedowns on all the Bravo shows? You know, that's the skeptic in me that gets really nervous. I get scared. I get, I was shivering like I was Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense, seeing dead people because I'm thinking, uh oh, I'm nervous, I'm shaking in my boots because that's what happens on these shows. So I pray, I hope. I'm saying a prayer to Mariah Carey in hopes that we don't see the hoedown on every fucking Bravo show because I can't do it. I can't see everyone in country western gear. I can't do it. I don't want to see Orange County women in country western gear. Although, did they already do a hoedown? I can't remember. I can't tell if that was just them dressing or if they were at a country western bar. Uh, I worry about Salt Lake City doing a hoedown. You know, I'm just scared. I'm just nervous. Okay, so it's Halloween season too. I got enough scares to worry about. Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back to theaters. That's enough scares for me. Co-starring with Judy Greer, who I love. Enough scares for me, so I can't handle every show doing a hoedown. I just can't do it. I'm nervous. I'm scared. (laughs) Those of you who are just listening to this episode, if you haven't listened to the Everything Iconic episode since the last VPR uh, recaps, just know that we do the soundboard now, and some of you may hate it. I'm sorry. It is what it is. That's the show. Sorry if you don't don't like it. Uh, Anyway, it seems like, by and large, you guys like it. When I first started the soundboard, I will say I got a lot of complaints, and now I only hear good things. I'm sure some of you turned off the show and stopped listening. Anyway, where the fuck were we? Okay, so then uh, Tom Sandoval, I mentioned him playing tennis. He's wearing a wig. He's, you know, Tom Sandoval's doing a lot of different hair work. He's got the hair on his face. He's doing wig work. And there was one scene, too, where he was, I don't know if you guys saw, when he was when or- in orange pants, an umbrella, and a sheer blouse. And through the sheer blouse, you could see these little taped X's over his nips. And uh, it reminded me of Ramona on The Real Houses of New York dressing up as Leah when she said she needed some hot cock. I need some hot 
I don't know why that's the vibe I was getting from this look from Tom Sandoval. It was shocking. And Tom Sandoval's looks don't normally shock me. You know, I worked with that man on Cocktail Book, which you can order at Amazon or wherever you get books called Fancy AF Cocktails. Anyway, I worked with that man and I love Tom and Ariana. I love him. And I've seen him in so many costumes. He always looks great. And so it's hard to shock me when it comes to Tom Sandoval costume. But something about the umbrella with the orange pants, I couldn't quite get my footing. And after the trailer ended, I ran to the restroom and I lost my balance again. You know, I always tell you, sometimes these shows, they make me faint black out. I started walking in the bathroom like, I can't, I was seeing stars. You know, and I, I can only attribute that to Tom Sandoval's look with the umbrella and the orange pants. So then what else? Oh, James and Raquel, it looks like they get engaged. Someone plays golf out of Tom Sandoval's butthole, which that was I, that wasn't even as shocking to me as Tom Sandoval with the umbrella and the orange pants. I saw his bare ass. At least I think it was his bare ass. It was hard to tell whose bare ass that was. I don't know, maybe we could rewind it. I don't know if that, if some one of the producers want to reach out to me, let me know whose bare ass that was. I saw a faint A, which if I recall correctly, that's Tom's ass because he had gotten the tattoo of A for Ariana, right? I'm rem- I, you know, I can't remember everything perfectly. I think that's what it was. I remember him and the other Tom got tattoos. Did they also get it with Jax? I can't remember whose bare ass got tattooed on this show. It's been so many years. But I do believe that was Sandoval's ass, his bare ass. Um, anyway, that wasn't as shocking to me as the other look. Then uh, it looks like we get a moment of one of the Toms dancing with LVP. You guys, the LVP. I Every time it's time goes by and I think I miss LVP because she gave us so many good years of TV. I want to I thank her for her contributions to the reality TV world. And there are uh, days and weeks where I think, God, I miss LVP. And then I see a trailer and a moment in this trailer when she's got a, a dog thing on her face, a dog mask. And she's saying something to Tom about doggy style. She says, you want to do it doggy style? And she's just got the dog mask on to Schwartz. I just thought, enough, enough. This is what we don't want from Vanderpump Rules. Last season, remember she like planted her bra in Tom Schwartz's suitcase? That was truly, you guys, I don't even know if we really broke that down, but I think that was one of the most crazy things I've ever seen on reality television. Ever. 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 And we all just sort of move past it. But I need us to take a moment. Pull over if you're driving. We need to acknowledge that that happened. It happened and it wasn't okay. That was scripted and weird. And we all need to acknowledge. I'm sorry, I'm getting loud. I'm getting passionate and loud. Uh, but I need us all to acknowledge that. Before we can move on, I need us to all acknowledge that she planted, I believe, a brassiere. Again, I might be remembering that incorrectly as well. But I do remember it was, I think she planted a brassiere in Tom Schwartz's suitcase, and that was not okay. First of all, he's one of her employees. I know they're sort of in business together, but basically she's their boss. Secondly, it was very clearly scripted. That was not, and so somebody had to sit around and say, oh, this will be a funny bit. And I got news for you, ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't a funny bit. It wasn't. I don't know who's listening. Uh, any of you out there, any of the producers, people working on the show, it was not good. I'm not an expert either. I may be an expert on the reality TV world, uh, but I'm not necessarily an expert on comedy, but I will say that wasn't okay. And I need us to all acknowledge that. So once you do, we can all move on. You can start the cars back up and continue on your way if you did pull over. But I'm glad we talked about it. And now in this season, we see her putting the doggy mask on. I mean, a full body cringe. Full, And she's just too classy for that is my problem. That's the issue. 
she shouldn't be throwing on a dog mask. I'm glad she's uh, such a dog lover. Of course, we love that she's a dog lover. God bless. You know, she's doing a lot for the animals, but that doesn't mean she needs to put on a doggy mask in front of the red light, a step into frame on camera and do a bit where she's wearing a doggy mask and telling her employee, uh, asking him, do you want to do it doggy style? That's not okay. It's just, it's just not okay. It's not, I'm not okay with that. I'm not. I'm just not. Okay, so then more of the montage. Oh, Ariana riding a bull. We see this really strange little moment of Schwartz eating a lot of whipped cream. And I'm not sure what they thought they were giving us with that moment. <laughs> but I like the idea that it must be related to something that happens, right? Because otherwise, it was literally just Schwartz eating, like spraying the whipped cream in his mouth. And I'm just not sure that we really needed that. Like, it must be just tied to something else. Because otherwise, it's like, oh, he's just eating whipped cream. Like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, the other the other little montage moments we got are very active. So we see either a crazy costume, or we see them actively doing something like riding a bull, or, or doing their hoedown moment. So the fact that he was just eating whipped cream, it's like, well, what the fuck is that for? You know, what are we doing here, little bear? What is this about? Just eating whipped cream on the couch. I mean... <laughs> Not sure we need that. Uh, anyway, then we get Charlie. She's cleansing the house from dumb bitches. She says that was good. Oh, and the Sheena and Brock of it all. This will be very interesting to me. So Sheena, she got the life-size pregnancy photos. Remember she did the photo shoot with the other guy that she married uh, in the crop top wedding dress? Now she got pictures done with Brock, who I've met Brock before, and he's a very good looking man. He's got, he's got like sort of that rugby player body. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Brock's body, but it's good. It's good. It's like, it's good. Anyway, so she's got the life size photos of uh, Brock up and they're having a baby. So they just had the baby. I don't know if she'll be pregnant when the season starts or if it starts with her already having the baby, the baby. Anyway, apparently Brock has two kids he hasn't spoken to in four years. So this is that moment where Lala's wearing her merch and she tells Katie Maloney that he hasn't spoken to her, the kids in two years. So I want to know more about that situation. Everyone's got a story. What's Brock's story? I'm excited to learn more. But I'm worried about, she, or I'm very concerned about Shishi. You guys, you know, I love my Sheena. And I'm very concerned that they're all going to be after her about this Brock business. And part of me says, leave her alone. You know, Lala, do you always got to give him Lala? Can't you just not give it to him and leave Brock and Shishi alone? I don't know how I feel. But also, if Brock has these two kids he hasn't spoken to in four years, I need Brock to pick up the phone. Shoot him a text message. I don't know how you want to communicate. Maybe there's more of a story there that I'm not aware of. But I'm going to need you to shoot him a text or something, Brock. If you're listening, I don't know. Send him a DM. I don't know how old these kids are or what their story is either. But maybe just send him Morse code or carrier pigeon. Just send over a note. Whatever you got to do so that uh, Lala doesn't have to give you Lala anymore and they can leave you and Shishi alone because Sheena's been through enough. She's been through enough. Remember, she got someone, Penguins, that she liked, that Adam guy, and then he was such an asshole to her. And then the other guy was the one she married, uh, Shay Shay. What was his name, Shay? I know, unclear. I can't remember everything on these fucking shows. <laughs> oh, I love these shows, though. I'm excited for this season, you guys. I think it looks good. Maybe it'll be a big hot mess. You know, I don't know. Last season, a big hot mess. Maybe this one will be too. So then, oh, the Toms are opening up a new bar. Schwartz wants Katie to train people. Unclear if it's at the new bar or at Tom Tom. I feel like that's a step down for Katie Maloney. I don't think she needs to be training people at the bar. I'm happy she's having a more active role. And maybe it was a case of like the producers, like, what the fuck are we going to do with Katie here? Because all of Katie's friends were fired on account of they were doing racist things. 
And so I wonder if it was like, oh, we need Katie to do something active. And I like Katie. I'll always say, I think people unfairly judge Katie Maloney. I do believe that. I think, you know, James can get away with murder. In this uh, trailer, James was saying the most awful things to Raquel. I was so mad at him. You know, I love my dear Raquel. He calls her dumb at one point. I thought, you know, leave her alone. She, if she is a, if she is dumb, she's my dummy and you better leave her the fuck alone. She's a sweet gal and I'm excited to learn more about Raquel and the fact that James calls her dumb and Charlie too. They're not dumb. It's just unacceptable, James. Anyway, James could say the worst things and we all forgive him. We're rooting for him. And then Katie Maloney one time says that Schwartz's penis don't work and it's like we can't get over it. So, you know, justice. I'm, I know that's not going to be popular with you guys. You're going to let me have it, but justice for Katie Maloney. I'm sorry. Um, but now I said it. But now I said it. Anyway, what else are we talking about? Oh, we also have this fight between Ariana and Lala. And Lala says, I'll teach you how to be cool later, bitch. And then Ariana says, oh, babe, I was born fucking cool. And I'll be honest, I lived for that moment, first of all. Ariana, I think, had the jacket over the shoulders, which you know I love that look. If you listen to the Beverly Hills recaps, I, that look is in, apparently. And I need to start draping a jacket over my shoulders because people are doing it. Uh, but what really struck me about this moment is I was like, Ariana, when she said I was born fucking cool, it reminded me of something. And here I am racking my brain, racking my brain. Oh, I take notes on these, this trailer and I'm thinking, where do I, where am I, where did I hear that before? What, what is it reminding me of? And then like Raven Simone in That's So Raven, when she gets a premonition, suddenly I, time stopped and I had a premonition. I realized where I, had recognized the cadence of Ariana saying that. And I'm not proud of what I'm about to say. I'm not at all. But Ariana had said, I was born fucking cool. And it reminded me of the show Entourage. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it reminded me of that HBO show, The Entourage. If any of you watched, remember, there's this moment, I am Queens Boulevard. Remember uh, Adrienne Grenier? I think that's how you say his name. Grenier. 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 I don't know why I'm saying it like that. Anyway, so Adrian Grenier says, I am Queens Boulevard. I am Queens Boulevard. You know, it's real serious. <laughs> and that was what it reminded me. Ariana saying, I was born fucking cool. I just thought, I am Queens Boulevard. And I noticed to bring that back. I am Queens Boulevard. No, I'm shouting it at you guys. But I am. I am Queens Boulevard. I need Ariana to say that. Maybe we need to get her on the line. You know, I need to get Ariana just on camera saying, I am Queens Boulevard. So then we get James versus Brock. We get Lala telling Schwartz that Sandoval's dick is in his mouth. I like dick. And then it ends with the baby music again, the bebe music. Anyway, you guys, I'm excited. I will watch it. I'm excited. And uh, I don't care who knows it. And it might be bad. And if it's bad, you know what? We'll turn it off. We'll turn the channel. They got a lot to prove to us because I'm going to be very critical this season. Very critical. And that uh, is just a fact because they burned me last season. I'd watch all those scenes of Dana in the comedy clubs and then dealing with that uh, that three-way uh, uh, relationship drama that no one cared about. And so they're going to have to do a lot to prove it to us that the show deserves to be on the air because also last season's finale felt very much like a series finale. It felt like we could end it here and we'd be fine. And so if we didn't end it there and we get some really shitty season, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be pissed. I'm just being honest with you guys. I'm going to have to, I don't know, I'm going to have to subpoena these people because that's going to be a problem. I really just want to play my Law & Order sound effect. Anyway, 
<laughs> That's Vanderpump Rules. Uh, I hope you're all having a wonderful holiday. It's a holiday Labor Day. That's why we're not recapping the Real Houses of Potomac here on Everything Iconic. But I had to do a little VPR thing. And then now I want you guys to stay tuned, hopefully enjoy my chat with Matt Dillon. Ooh, there was this rumor that I read online that Matt Dillon had went on a date with Sonia Tremont Morgan from the Real Houses of New York. So I was so excited to try to get to the bottom of that. And I did my best. You know, you have to listen, but I did my best to get to the bottom of that situation. When you look up some of the people that these housewives have dated, though, it's really shocking. I mean, Sonia specifically has said she's dated all sorts of people. Jack Nicholson, she said she dated. And Matt Dillon, one of the most attractive men ever. I mean, truly, like, he's a gorgeous a gorgeous human being. And I was on Zoom with them and my heart was a flutter. And he had, he's part of some of the most like hot dating relationships in the history of pop culture. You know, he dated Cameron Diaz for a while, friend of the show. And, uh, you know, he's just a hot man. And so I hope you guys enjoy my chat with Matt Dillon. He directed a movie called El Gran Feove, which is going to be at festivals. And then hopefully it'll be out uh, soon thereafter. But right now, you can see it at some of the festivals. If you look it up, you can Google where you can see El Gran Feove. It's a great documentary on this Cuban uh, jazz uh, scat singer, and uh, hopefully it'll be available widely very soon. We talk briefly about that, and then we get into some of his other projects, like Outsiders and all that. And then right after that, I will play my chat with Christy Martin from Netflix's Untold Deal with the Devil. I will try to put these interviews up on the YouTube channel as soon as I can. Usually they go up there within about a week or two. That is youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. If you want any of the Everything Iconic merch, go to everythingiconic.store. If you want bonus episodes of Everything Iconic, you can go to the Patreon page. All these links are in the episode description. And then uh, with all of that said, find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. Stay tuned to the Everything Iconic feed. We'll be back with recaps of The Real House of Beverly Hills later this week. I will leave you with both of these chats. I love you all so much for listening. Have a wonderful start to your week, and uh, please enjoy. Oh, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, we use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. We have a, a true legend on the show today, Matt Dillon. He's been oh. in the industry forever. So many iconic films. Uh, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm a legend. I got legend stats. Matt, your IMDb page is truly insane. Like, it's so good. And you just directed this new movie, El Gran Feove. Am I saying that correct? Feove, right? That's right. Feove. And it's about this Cuban scat musician. You had been filming sort of the recording of his last album back in 99. You revisited the footage, and I didn't know about this man. I just had watched it right before we got on here. Uh, talk to me a little about the process of of making this film and and diving back into that world. Uh, well, it was kind of it's an amazing uh, journey, really, because it started back in 1999. I filmed. I went down to Mexico City, accompanying Joey Altruda, who was the uh, the leader of this group. He's the one who initiated the recording with Feobe. And I went down to sort of film making the record. And I think there was a kind of idea about that we would make a documentary out of it. It's sort of one of those things that you say, well, let's see what happens. And uh, and he was absolutely an amazing, uh, an amazing character. But nobody did it like he did with this very specific uh, mambo or this uh, Afro-Cuban flair, very Africanized scat. And he was a showman. He had this bigger-than-life personality. You know, the guy who walks in the room, you're never going to forget him. You had created this, really, a love letter to him and his style of music. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because people say, well, why why Feove? Why Feove for you? Because, well, he was a remarkable artist, but he also, uh, something he co- I connected that connected with me was this, the importance of spontaneity and improvisation which when i was a young actor that was everything that was all we aspired to was to be able to do that and the actors that we revered were like that i gotta talk about some of your acting work i mean you've been in uh, like i said so many different things and i just want to run through some you directed this movie and i'm curious if there's anything i'm gonna throw out a film and i'm curious if there's anything you learned from maybe that director or from that set or even really just a memory that you have from making that those films. So the first one I want to just throw out there is The Outsiders, which is going to be re-released this year. It's really a seminal movie. I remember reading the book and then watching your film when I was in middle school. Uh, what do you, what sort of sticks out for you there? And then I also want to know, like, who did you get along with best on that cast? 
That's interesting because I went through your same experience. I read the book, you know, I read it and I experienced it and I experienced it in all of its power as a book. Look, the book is really, it just hits home with kids. And I think it's because the outsider's story and it's young people fending for themselves, finding their way for the first times in their life. And that the people that are reading it are in the same place. And so these characters are are very real to them. And the cast was so stacked. I mean, Tom Cruise, Patrick Swayze, Diane Lane. uh, Yeah, but we were all very young. And I was one of the youngest, believe it or not, um, of the group. I think maybe there was only one guy younger than me. And I think everybody got along great when we made the film, but... I was closest, I think, with Tommy and with uh, Ralph because we had a lot of scenes together. We did a lot of stuff together in the film. But, you know, everybody seemed to, we all got along. You know, it was was very, Francis kept, it's a very familial atmosphere working with him. Do a lot of rehearsal, a lot of improvisation, a lot of, that was one of the great things about working with him. It's really uh, he's just got such great energy and, uh, you know, the, the sense that anything could happen. And it was just a great experience. Very, very, very validating as well as just being exciting to work on that book with that director. Right. And then we went right after that and did Rumblefish, which was like right on and, the heels of that. And Francis Ford Coppola, like what a legend. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so I saw The Outsiders probably around when I was in seventh seventh grade, I think, is when we watched it. And I was in seventh grade when another film of yours came out, which was Wild Things. And let me tell you, Matt, like people would – we would sneak that movie. And I don't know if you saw this show, Pen15. There's a whole – it's about sort of the experience of being in middle school around uh, the year 1999-2000. And there's a whole episode about these young people sneaking the movie Wild Things and trying to watch this uh, rented or, or an older brother rents it. Uh, talk to me about that movie. I mean, did you know a lot of kids at that time were trying to sneak it from the rental store? No, I didn't know that at all. That's really why I'm laughing. I can't believe that. That's so funny, you know. I, I know it was popular in colleges, you know. It was really fun. I mean, it was a really interesting cast, you know. You had a really interesting cast. I mean, people forget Bill Murray was hysterical. It was very funny in that. Bill Murray was in it as well. And Kevin Bacon, great actor. And Denise Richards. Did you? Denise did you, Richards and Nev Campbell. Were you dating yeah, Denise at the time? Was no, no, no. Thing? I was dating. I was dating Cameron Diaz at that time. Okay, Matt. Matt Dillon, Cameron Diaz. I mean, I looked through the people that are you were rumored to date throughout the years, and you've dated. Yeah, most much, of them are rumors. <laughs> pretty much every hot woman in the industry. It's like you've dated every single person. Um, Cameron Diaz, though. Like, what do you? What sticks out? You brought it up, so I got to ask, what sticks out to you? No, about I mean, no. I was just saying because at that time. As you mentioned, no. Uh, what a hot yeah. 90s couple the two of you were, though. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had a good time. Uh, you know, and then we worked together. But we didn't, I think if we had worked together earlier, it would have been tougher. But I think we'd been together for a little while. We did something about Mary. Okay, so something about Mary. What sticks out to you about that experience? That was, those, well, the Fairley brothers, right? Right off the bat, the way in which they worked and the kind of 
again, familial atmosphere, but very, uh, and it was just a, it was a lot of fun. I mean, to, to, that film was fun. It was fun to make. It was fun to read it. It was fun to watch it. You know, it was just really enjoyable. When you're looking for a project, you've so brilliantly sort of uh, mixed mainstream stuff with a lot of indie projects. And uh, you, when you're looking for a comedy or going into a comedy, are you just looking for something that you can have a good time? Or or what is it that appeals to you about uh, something when you're doing like a mainstream comedy? Well, my favorite, I mean, if we're going to talk about comedy, my favorite comedies are more of that kind of Hal Ashby variety of uh, comedies like I think they're great when they're grounded in the characters and the human experience, you know. That's when comedy's funny. And there are so many different comedies. I love a, a movie you did called To Die For, which is very much a, a dark comedy. Yeah. With Buck Henry, Buck Henry, the great, late, great Buck Henry wrote that, Gus Benson. It was a, Nicole, it was a, yeah. Beautiful Girls. I want to bring that up. That was a movie. I, there's a scene in that where you're in it with Rosie O'Donnell. You're going through a convenience store. She gives this most amazing monologue that um, about sort of beauty standards with women. What do you remember about that experience? Minneapolis, freezing cold. Uh, Ted Demi was beautiful soul. Great guy, the director. He was great. And it was a... It was a... It was cold. <laughs> That's what I remember about it. We had fun making it. But it was cold. Yeah. I mean, we were shooting at about 30 below zero. But again, you know, was, I got to work with some good people. This is the first time I worked with uh, Uma, you know, Rosie O'Donnell. There's a, a movie on your resume, I got to ask, Herbie Fully Loaded. That was sort of a weird time with Lindsay Lohan. Is there something that... That sticks out in that. Experience. No, you know what? I'll tell you. That one was I. I was making a film called Factotum, where I played a, a, the Charles Bukowski's alter ego, and I just made this film Crash, and I had just finished the film that I wrote and directed. And you know, this was like when they sent it to me. I was like, no, I just passed on. And they said, well, we're going to make it really funny. I said, well, if you make it really funny, if I laugh, then I'll then I'll do it. You know, and they did. And I thought it was funny. And you know, and that's how that that's why how I did it. And it was at a time when I needed to do something like that. You know, because I needed to get to work. I, I didn't let's just say I did it for the money, but I got paid. You know, the other things I was doing were like, you know. Yeah, it's Disney. Yeah. Uh, Matt, is there one of uh, all of these films you do, uh, you've done, is there one that you love the most or one that maybe you'll you'll stop and watch on cable? Or do you just kind of block them out after they're done? Well, you know, the ones that I, you know, City of Ghosts, this film that I wrote and directed, is very personal to me. So uh, that means a lot to me, that film. Very important to me. It's it's a favorite. You know, I wrote and directed it, and I think it's a good movie. I really do like it. You know, I, I believe very much you should never fall in love with a movie if you're making it as a director. But you can when you lock it, because there it is. But as you're making it, you got to be willing to make tough choices and uh, ask difficult questions, make changes that you need to do. But I think that is a personal favorite. 
And then I liked the things where I worked with directors that really were my experiences. That's what I would say, you know, when I made uh, Drugs for a Cowboy, for example, with Gus Van Sant. It was a great experience because it was like, oh, this is what it's all about. We're out here. We're living. We're making a movie. This is not a job. And I felt that way with Von Trier. And I felt that way with with uh, good filmmakers. I, you know, I worked work with Wes Anderson recently. You know, these are visionary filmmakers. Francis going back, Francis Coppola. I always liked those. And then, of course, something about Mary was always, I mean, it was one of those things when I read that script, Ray West, and I got to do this. Yeah. I mean, as a young actor, did you imagine getting to be a part of so many uh, wonderful projects? I mean, you must pinch yourself at times, or, or, or maybe it's hard to even take it in. You know what's nice? Once in a while, you get you get surprised by something, and, and that's always really fun. I mean, you know, for example, uh, I mentioned Bukowski earlier, where I played the alter ego of him in this film, Factotum really great Norwegian director. It was a small movie. But I never imagined that I would do that. And that was really, that's worth everything, you know, when you have those experiences, you know. Or even like working with Von Trier. It's a crazy movie. I mean, it's not a subject that I'm particularly interested in, but as dark as it was, the movie itself, the experience of it was very uh, creative, alive it's a great atmosphere and that's what i look for you know when i have that kind of experience and, and you get that when you work with talented directors who have a vision or trying to do something that's what i want to do hey when i make yeah it. and do you want to direct more i do i really enjoy enjoy directing it's uh one of the things about being an actor is it makes it it's, it's like like i want to direct but then it's like, ah, but I can just go to work and I can help other directors with their movie, you know, their vision. But I, I like it. I know I got to wrap this up, but I do have to ask you, we talked a little bit about some of the famous people you dated. And there's one specific, I hope you're not upset with me for asking this, but there's a woman named Sonia Morgan who said that you dated. Do you know who Sonia Morgan is? She's a real housewife of New York. She gave an interview with Paper Magazine, said the two of you went on a date. Does that ring a bell at all? Did she got married? Maybe she got a different name or something. It was probably, probably quite a while ago, right? You know, it was unclear. Yeah. She was she ended up marrying the Morgan of Chase Morgan. Well, there um, you go. So how would I? I mean, I don't watch those shows. Right, right. I, I had to ask. Man. And I don't really like to talk about that. Of course, yeah. Of course, anything about it. I don't want to offend anybody, but I don't remember that name. But it's because I don't watch the program. I get it. I had to ask them, Matt. I hope you're not mad at me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, the last thing I just want to ask you, what do you want your legacy to be? You've done so many brilliant movies, uh, both that you've directed and then also... I've only done a few that I've directed, and I would like to direct some more and, uh, and work with really good directors. I mean, I think that really makes a big difference. You can, you know, working with good people so gratifying. Uh, whether I'm directing or whether I'm acting, you know, it's a collaborative field. And uh, having having been through that experience now a few times, 
you get a different perspective on it. So I'm responsible, more responsible for the movie that I that I create, that I direct. I'm not. There's only so much I can do as the actor. It's an important department, but it's not the the thing. But you know, I want to make more films and uh, you know do good work. That's always the the, the goal. You know, be I, I have to be. Uh, I have to keep my uh, creative juices flowing. You know? That's just the way it is for me. I think everybody does. But. Right. Well, Matt, this was such an honor and a pleasure. You've, you've, you're such a brilliant actor and, and director too. And I think Thank people so are really going to fall mm-hmm. in love with El Gran Feove because I did and and the music is just incredible so thank you for bringing that story uh, to light and I, I look forward to people being able to see it hopefully very soon I do too because it was such a it was a difficult experience yet very rewarding and he's such a soulful lovable guy and I was just felt privileged to have gotten to know him you know to me, there's nothing better than when a person has a passion for something that maybe is a little left of center and, and learning about your passion for both this music and this man. Uh, it, it's so, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I think that's, that's what makes us all human. And, and I just love that you had such a It's passion. great when it, you it really can take an obsession and make something out of it, a passion, you know, and really do something creative out of it. It's such a great thing to be able to do, you know. Right. Matt, thank you for taking the time. It was truly an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. Thank thank you so much. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y, dot com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Christy, your story untold on Netflix, A Deal with the Devil. I hope everyone watches it. It was so inspiring. First of all, how are you doing today? I'm great. God bless me. Every every day that I get to wake up, you know, I'm blessed with another opportunity to 
to help save somebody else's life. I want to talk to you about this story. Why did you sort of decide to open up about it now? Was it to inspire people? Oh, absolutely. I mean, from the time that I uh, woke up in the hospital after being shot and stabbed, I said, uh, God left me here for a reason. And that's just to share my story and to talk about domestic violence with people. I, I think so many people don't understand that domestic violence isn't just about bruises. It's it's also control and manipulation and the verbal beatdown that people can give is, and I don't want to in any way say it's worse. It's just different than right. the physical. Um, it's hard too, though. It's it's also it's hard. What's it like reliving a lot of uh, your past situation with your ex through this movie and then also through interviews like this? Is it is it tough? You know, it's tough because any time that that you have to to think about him, it's it's tough. But I also feel like every time I share my story that I'm, I'm helping somebody else become aware. Sometimes you can be going down that rabbit hole that you don't even realize you're going down. You know, you, you're giving up little by little by little. You're giving up control over uh, to someone else. Um, they're isolating you. You don't really realize it until you're on the island completely by yourself. Uh, so, so hopefully just by sharing the story that people understand, they'll, they'll see it before they get too far gone and they can't come back. And what do you recommend for people who might be in an abusive uh, relationship like that? Is there, is there, do they have to come to the realization themselves or, or what can people do to sort of get out of it? I, I, you do have to come to the realization yourself. I mean, you know, because even if people would tell you, oh, this isn't right, this isn't right, isn't right until you actually see it yourself, uh, you're never going to make a, a change. So they, they, you do have to see it. Maybe people can just help open your eyes a little. Um, there were so many people that after the fact came to me and said, I, if only I would have said something to you before. And, and, and maybe that would have changed something. But I always say to them, I had to see it myself. Right. And, and it, it wouldn't have mattered what you said to me until I, I saw it or until I was ready. Uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. It's much like a drug addict. You know, until they're ready to change and they're ready to, to put it away, uh, they're not going to, no matter how much you want it for them. Now, I'm assuming you've seen the the documentary yourself. Was it hard to watch the interviews with your ex? It was hard, but probably in a different way than, than most people would think. Uh, I, being naive person, I guess that I must be, because I really, really thought after 10 years, almost 11 years in prison, there would be a little remorse. A little bit of the arrogance would be knocked off. Uh, there would be a little difference in him. And there was absolutely zero, zero difference. He was still the same arrogant ass that he's always been. And and it was just all about him. I mean, you know, the everything that happened as far as the boxing goes was all about him. And then as bold as he wants to be, he wasn't bold enough to stand up and say, I shot her. I stabbed her. That moment obviously was so powerful in the documentary, but are you able to remember sort of what was going through your mind in the moment as you're trying to get away? And after, after you were shot, after you were stabbed, what was, what was going through your head? Can you take us back there a little bit? I mean, I was just actually before he started to stab me, I really was to the point in my mind that it didn't matter to me if I lived or died. And then he stabbed me. He cut me up a little bit. He was beating me up. I mean, taking my head and bashing it against the dresser. 
And and it was just like, boom, no, you're not going to kill me. Not today. Mm-hmm. And and it just changed. Everything changed at that moment. Um, I did every tactic that I could think of verbally to to get him to to get me help. But then I realized that he can't get me help because he can't let me live. Mm-hmm. So once I realized that I, I was pretty certain I was going to die, I just I, I told him exactly how I felt about him, about anything to do with him. And um, that's when he shot me. I want to go into the boxing a little bit. Do you remember when you first knew that you wanted to box or when it kind of clicked for you? You know, that's a good one because I didn't grow up thinking I want to be a boxer. Uh, I had never been in a boxing gym. I had had seven professional fights and still never been in a boxing gym. So I don't know when it really clicked that I believed that I could do this as a career. Probably once I signed with Don King, I started, you know, really believing in, in, in the possibilities that this, that I could make it. So yeah, probably up until like 92 when I signed with King that or 93. Do you have a favorite memory of working with Don King? Like, is there something that sticks out in your mind from that time? He's a character. I mean, he, you know, he, he's King and, and, um, he actually is having one of his heavyweights fighting on my show Saturday in Myrtle Beach. Oh my God. So, you know, it's exciting to still be doing business with him. It was just awesome. I mean, to be at the press conferences, to be on the Tyson cards, the Chavez cards, they're all huge shows. And and King was such a character and such a part of everything. It wasn't like the normal promoter that's just there putting everything in and overseeing. He was part of it. I mean, obviously your story is so expansive, but are you able to grasp kind of the impact you've had on the sport? Be, you know, proud and and sit in your success. Does that make sense? Thank you. But I, I don't think I ever really thought of it that way because Jim always kept me so much away from like the women in women's boxing. And, and it was all about me, which I, I'm, I'm going to say that, as individual fighters, we have to promote ourselves. So I didn't, I didn't really want to be the pioneer at putting all the women fighters on my shoulders and carrying them to the forefront. I just, I just wanted to be a fighter. Uh, but now, all these years later, I, I do realize and, and hear the younger generations of women fighters, I do realize that, that I made a difference. What do you think it's going to take to get more women fighters in the ring? Yeah, I think it takes um, to, to make women's boxing grow. It needs somebody that's going to be the people, the public, are they're going to grab onto. You know, it has to be somebody that that either they love or hate. It can be one or the other. But I felt like my success was I, I'm just the girl next door. Like I, You could knock on your neighbor's door and it could be me. And then I fall a hill. I fought hard every time I was in the ring. So I, I think that I had success because of that and because of Tyson and, and Chavez and Don King, all those guys. But I, uh, I don't know. We just need some, we need some personalities and we need a promoter that will give a female fighter the opportunity. Right. Uh, talk to me about coming out. I mean, was, what was that process like for you? <laughs> really? Well, I didn't, I, no, no, no. You didn't see me sneak out the, you know, the back door or the side closet. No, I, uh, <laughs> I decided to get, get, you know, shot and decide that uh, that's how I'm going to come out. You make, of course, it wasn't how anything was planned, um, but that's the way it happened. And, you know, it, it was easy because now there wasn't any, any way I could deny anything the way there, there could be any, Oh, is she or isn't she? No, she is. And this is, this is how it's going to go. And, and many times at 
10 years ago, I said, look, people, you can either get on the Christy Martin bandwagon or get off. At this point, I'm, I'm old enough that it doesn't matter. And I'm going to move on with my life. And your partner now is someone you've fought in the ring. And I wonder at home, do you both have a competitive nature with each other? Or what's it like with each other now? She, I heard her just actually come in. So the truth is, you know, you have a significant other, right? So I, I do. Yeah, my boyfriend and I are competitive with each other for sure. We're, we're competitive, but look, I, I, I won one fight. And that was way back in 01 when I fought her in the ring. Since then, I haven't won a fight. So... She gives me great support. She's very supportive of Christy Mart Promotions, the boxing side. She's never been in a domestic violence uh, situation or relationship. So every time we do something with the domestic violence, she, I think it's more and more eye-opening to her and more and more unbelievable that, that another human being would treat someone that they supposedly love like this. Um, but she's supportive of all of it. Chrissy, I hadn't, I wasn't super familiar with your story and I saw it and I was so moved, inspired. It's so many twists and turns. And, and I, I wonder, this might be a silly question, but has anyone ever approached you about doing a scripted version of this? We're at, yes, we're in the, uh, yes, yes. I had signed my life rights away about 10 years ago and I'm just now in the process of getting my life rights back. Yes. Okay. That will good. be that will be a more in depth version sometime soon. Hopefully, I need to see it. Like I, I need it. It's so so wonderful. Uh, Christy, tell me about your life now. Where can people find you? Anything you want to promote? Obviously, we need everyone to watch Untold on Netflix. Your story is incredible, incredible. Absolutely, check out the Netflix Untold. Uh, Deal with the devil. Uh, we're doing promotions. August 28th, we're in Myrtle Beach promoting a fight show. Uh, November 20th, we'll be back in Myrtle Beach speaking, doing domestic violence engagements everywhere. You can find Christy Martin Promotions or Christy Salters Martin all over social media. Any of it. Twitter, Instagram. I used to travel to Myrtle Beach when I was a kid. That was our vacation spot all the time. And I had my first gay kiss in Myrtle Beach. Um, I'll never forget it. I was like 19 years old. I don't. It was a gay bar. I don't remember what the name of it was, but... I spent so much time in, in Myrtle Beach um, when I was younger. I love it there. Christy, do you have a favorite uh, boxing movie? Is there one that you think really gets it right? Well, you know, I'm old school, so we probably have to go back to Raging Bull. And it's a, it's a tough one. While we're here, though, who would you want to play you? Is there someone in your mind that you think would do a good job? You know what? I don't know. I don't know. That's I've been for like the past 10 years at different points. People say, well, I think we're getting close. And at one time, Amy Schumer had... I kind of uh, verbally committed and I couldn't understand Schumer, you know, like she's a comedian, but we, we hung out a little bit and uh, had some phone conversations and my wife was like, Oh wow. There are two people curse more than I just heard in this conversation. So we hit it off. Okay. It was just, she got pregnant and started doing other things. And, and now we're working on getting the movie rights back. So well, what, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I can't wait to see it unfold. Christy, thank you so much for taking the time and for sharing your story. It's going to touch so many people, and I can't recommend it enough. Thank you for opening up in that way. Thank you. Thank you. Stay strong. Stay strong. 